This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! end of our season no when is the end of our season well okay i originally had normally we're doing 10 episode seasons and then i got episode 51 on my on my google podcasts and i was like what's happening so this this season did run a little long because there's the big part in the middle where nothing happens (laughs) okay so so you're you're making our seasons longer for the boring episodes well, yeah, but well, I tried to end each season on a cliffhanger. Oh, nice. So okay, but like we could make this the end of this season because there is a cliffhanger. Like, is there? Wait, let me. I, let I me normally check. watch these the day before we record, and you you bailed on me last <laughs> week. No, so sorry. it has been a week since I've watched this episode. I have no idea what happened. In my defense, I was in another country. <laughs> Things got a little hectic. <laughs> you did not want to come in for a recording. <laughs> Early well, morning on a it was Friday. More than, so, so I found a place in, in Victoria, in Canada, and we did our first sort of week of move-in stuff, which is great. But there's no furniture yet, so there was nowhere to sit while oh, I recorded. No. So even if we recorded remotely, I just would have been like lying on the ground in my yeah. office. It would have been very awkward and strange. Um, I did discover one interesting thing, though. There is a professional rent-by-the-hour podcast recording studio Right next to my new place. That's amazing. So maybe our final season will have remarkably high production values. Maybe it won't. We'll just. That uh, it seems unlikely. Uh, this has got to grow up sometime. A Swans Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler Jeffrey. Our show has chronically terrible values, and that's the way we like it. Yeah. Um, you know what? Yeah. Let's make this the end of this season. Okay. Great. And we'll do, so the final, the final season will be 12 episodes long, because I had a different cliffhanger planned, uh, yes. but this one works just as well. Great. Okay. Episode 52. Okay. Surprise, the end of the season. <laughs> Let's go over your predictions. Are you gonna, do we know when next season will start yet? Or because we've just made this decision. I, I don't know... Will you put will you put that in at the end for people like when to expect us back? Yes. Okay, I'll, great. I'll add a little a little thing after I figure <laughs> it out. So I'm gonna go home after we record this. I'm gonna edit this. Okay. Get it ready to upload, and I'll look at our schedule then and figure out when <laughs> when the next season will come back. The final season. The final season. Oh I've got to grow up sometime. Heartbreak. Can you believe it? Yes. <laughs> I don't know about you, Libby, but I never thought that this podcast had long-term legs. (laughs) I didn't either. I had a couple people contact me early on and say, like, oh, you should expand it by doing, like, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, no. We're going to watch Swans Crossing, and then it's done. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I am going to start a different podcast, but it is very different in tone, and I will be using a professional studio that sounds nice. Yeah. 
So uh, you should do that. Don't expect it to be anything like this. And I would like to be a periodic guest. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, because it's actually going to be about storytelling. Oh, fantastic! Like, people who are storytellers of different types. So I'd love to talk to a professional theater man <laughs> <laughs> about story. Anyway, I love it. speaking of stories, let's get into the greatest story of all time: the drama of Swan's Crossing, <laughs> episode fifty-two. Yes. Uh, your predictions from last week. Mm-hmm. You predicted there would be more at the balcony, at Mila's balcony, and it would go very badly. Uh, I mean, there was more at the balcony. Definitely. I wouldn't say it goes very badly. Moderately badly. It doesn't go great. Yeah. Uh, Mila, you predicted Mila would gush over Chandler's romantic poetry over the phone or in person with Sydney. Yes. Mm-hmm. Neil and JT would plot to get funding for their element for UB2B. Yes. Sandy and Owen would be back, and they would be prepping for the big concert. Nailed it. And Captain Walker would return, and Callie would show him the rocks, but Saja would be captured by Beric, and Beric would grill him about what they were trying to do. Sadly, that did not happen. That did not happen. Ooh! (laughs) I mean, it might not go exactly how you think, but, you know, some of those things happen shortly, but just not in I can say confidently nothing in this show goes how I think. (laughs) Do you want to talk about that thumbnail? I do. This one is so good. <laughs> Sydney is staring down the barrel of the camera through the hole in the wall of no man's land like she's looking down the barrel of a loaded gun. <laughs> Half of her face is in shadow and it's all very dramatic. This is this is the James Bond opening of Swan's Crossing <laughs> thumbnails is what this is. <laughs> it is, totally. Oh my word. Okay, we pick up. Where we left off last week with Garrett and Sydney hiding in the darkness below the Juliet balcony that has suddenly sprouted from Mila's bedroom. <laughs> like a druid. <laughs> Turn like like forming a tree. This balcony has mysteriously sprung off the back of the Rosanovsky house. Just exactly in the moment when it was needed because the plot required it. Yes. Incredible. Garrett is reciting the words Sydney gives him. She gets bitten by a mosquito and curses it, and Garrett almost delivers the curse to Mila. Yep. <laughs> Mila wants to know who uh, who Chandler is, and they're really struggling. And I was, I was sitting there going, the poetry is difficult enough. Mila wants a conversation now? What is wrong with you? And uh, Garrett asks, Mila's like, Chandler, you have to t- give me some hints about who you are. Garrett panics, and he's like, Sydney, what do I do? <laughs> she... Like, puts down her flashlight and says, Beg. (laughs) (laughs) I love that moment. She's like, no. (laughs) He does kind of squeak out a few whispery pleases, which you can barely hear, which is too bad. He's like, please. (laughs) Oh, I can't. See, I didn't hear those. I didn't hear those. He says some shit about how Mila is more beautiful than the brightest star, and he has to go. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go. Mila asks him to come out of the shadows and show his face. Garrett begins to lift his snake manhood and like an idiot. Right? And Mila, uh, Sydney, like, obviously smacks him. She's like, it's not time yet. And then she tells him to say, when you are free of the chains that ground you, we'll be together always. He does. And then he lifts his face and starts blowing kisses at Mila. And you can 100% see his face. Yep. All the way. Uh-huh. It's obviously Garrett in the snake manhood. Yep. 
Uh, my notes say, Mila must be dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good on a number of levels, because first of all, hammers are stupid. They are. Secondly, anyone who keeps hammers in a bag, terrible. Right, it works in a couple different ways. Yeah. Yeah, my, okay. this is a saying that's been around in my family for a long time. I'm sure it's other people have heard it too, but back in rural but, Idaho, we would say like, people were dumber than a bag of hammers all the that, time. This is like a Mormon swear. <laughs> I don't know if it's a Mormon swear, but... <laughs> It's the, it's the Idaho equivalent of, bless his heart. <laughs> exactly, yeah. We're just a lot meaner in Idaho. <laughs> we say you're dumber than a bag of hammers, and then we just start throwing potatoes at you. <laughs> I actually, this is not a joke. I grew up across the street from a 2,000-acre potato farm. Of course you did. It's fucking potatoes that everywhere. doesn't surprise me at all. Did I, you have potatoes at, like, every meal? No, not that much, but I do hate potatoes now. Like, I will eat french fries sometimes, but not very many and not often, and I mostly just hate potatoes with a fiery passion. That's very funny, because Courtney <laughs> loves potatoes. A lot of people do. Yeah. I'm sure if you weren't com constantly surrounded by potatoes in your childhood, you'd <laughs> love them. Just, I imagine your nightmares involve, like, large bins of potatoes. We had potato ice cream. Gross. That's disgusting. Yeah, Why would someone good. do that? Like, it was flavored with chocolate, but it had this weird, grainy, starchy texture. What is wrong with people? Idaho. Okay. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> Garrett and Sydney walk about four feet away from where they'd previously been standing. Garrett starts reveling in how well his plan worked. Did he, it? He immediately pops the hood off. They're still yes. in full view of the balcony. Mila has left, but like immediately the hood is off and he's like, this went great. It really gives you a sense for how tiny the sets were. Yeah. <laughs> he hugs Sydney, which makes Sydney feel pretty uncomfortable, obviously. Yep. And she asks if they can take off, but Garrett wants to stand around jaw-jacking about how hot Mila is. <laughs> Sydney is very short with him and says she's being eaten alive out here and leaves. Just like jets. That's great. Garrett, with his smirk fully in shadow, delivers his immortal catchphrase, Ooh, I love myself. Almost almost as if all of this is a big show to get it, Sydney. Right. Mm -hmm. I, it's I don't I'm not sure Garrett's on the same page as everyone else. Nope. He's definitely in his own world with this. hundred percent. We cut over to JT's room, where we see Neil in, a, in the hammock, finally out of the hospital, so I would assume we're getting a soda shop episode soon, unless someone else ends up in the hospital. Uh, they're bemoaning the fact that their supply of cash has been cut off from Mr. Atwater. Right, JT goes over to the computer and attempts to access what apparently is a primitive form of online banking on his computer. He gets this absurd message from his mom and dad... Did you happen to write the message down? Uh, he's, you've dipped into this fund too often and we've taken all the money out. Love, mom and dad. This is a rich people thing. Yep. I just, I love that there's no, like, there's no access portal. There's no, like, anything that you would associate with online banking. Literally, just, it, all it is is this message that pops up on the screen and I love it. Right. He types a few typing keys real fast and then this message comes up. Like, I can't, I have, my phone reads my facial features, and has learned how to correctly identify my face with a COVID mask on wow. and with a joint in my mouth. <laughs> Which, to be fair, it sees me more often with a joint in my mouth than in any other way. <laughs> and I can't access my online banking that fast. Yep. Like, I hold my phone up to my face and it lets me into my bank accounts. That doesn't happen as quickly as this. Nope. Oh, the future. A uh. synth womp womp sound effect <laughs> plays the boys out. 
And we cut over to Mila, who's hugging a white teddy bear on her swan bed, gazing up at the stars and sighing over Chandler. Yeah, yeah. The Countess walks in in the middle of her reverie, and she goes off about the night and the stars, singing to her as she gives the Countess a big hug. (laughs) And thanks her for locking her in her room. I love that part. She's like, thank you for locking me up. Like, what? The Countess, obviously, with good reason, is very confused by this. She's, she sinks down on the bed and looks disturbed. Feathers. <laughs> the feathers and the Swedish meatballs. Oh my gosh. We cut to the theme song. It's the it's the long version. It's your Uh-oh. favorite. Yeah, look out. When we're back from commercial, we're in the tool and die. Beric is reading a motorcycle magazine and Saja comes in with a mini bike. Without looking up, Beric tells him to leave the bike and he'll get to it when he's finished. <laughs> reading the magazine, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Busy, busy day at the tool and die. Yeah. Realizing that it's Saja, and Saja destroyed the engine the last time he was in here, Beric jumps up and tries to keep him from touching anything. It's so great. And I love I love Beric's costume in this, because he's completely in black, but he's got one of those sleeveless t-shirts that indicates tough guy. They love a sleeveless t-shirt in this show. They really do. Saja explains that there's something wrong with his bike. Beric takes a look and very quickly determines a fuel valve is malfunctioning, and he fixes it instantly with zero effort. Now, did you notice that the headlight on this mini bike seems to be sheathed in some sort of like paper? <laughs> I did not notice there that. There is a paper sheath wrapped around the headlight of this mini bike. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it's there, but it is very strange. What a strange mystery. Yeah. Oh, wow. Saja wants to know where Jimmy and Callie are. Beric doesn't know, so Saja's like, great, I'm going to go over to Glory's place and see if Callie's there. And then Beric asks Saja to give Callie a message. Tell her I'd appreciate her asking before she borrows my personal property. And this line is delivered with a psychotic serial killer stare. Like, Beric's going to murder Callie. Yeah, the menace in his voice is palpable. (laughs) Very weird. Cut to Mila's room. She's dancing around, hugging a couch cushion, while her personal wall of TVs plays some kind of music video. I love, in this shot, the pink rhino, which we only really uh, see as a couch most of the time, is featured prominently in the shot. <laughs> and I love it so much, because it has it has this sort of look on his face that I imagine is on my face, which <laughs> is, what the hell is happening? How did I get here? What brought me to this place? <laughs> Stunned disbelief. It's so good. The Countess comes in, tries to talk to Mila, but Mila is in a dance trance. She does not respond to her mother, just keeps dancing around and throwing cushions everywhere. The Countess decides that Mila has been up here for far too long, which is completely understandable, and decides to unground her. This does not stop the dancing. (laughs) It just leads to more excitement. Yes, Mila is thrilled because now she is in love with life and she's going to get out and experience the world again. (laughs) The Countess warns her not to dress like a rock star and not to go near Billy Rifle. (laughs) (laughs) Mila says that she doesn't need him anymore and that makes the Countess want to take her shopping for pink stuff. This is a rich people thing. Like, absolutely it is. Mila says she has everything she needs. And I was like, yeah, you do, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you have do. an enormous, like, seriously, that bedroom is bigger than my entire house. <laughs> and it insane. has a balcony now. And it has a wall of monitors. What the hell? <laughs> After the Countess leaves, 
Mila picks up her princess phone. Recall, this is the third personal phone line in Mila's bedroom. And she dials. Yeah. The, we cut over to the phone ringing on Sydney's table at the Rutledge house. Sydney is sitting across the table from the phone and keeps calling for Ralph to come get it. <laughs> I love that It's part. literally on the other side of the table. And she acts very put upon and sighs and stands up very slowly and mopes over to answer the phone. And Mila immediately asks if Sydney wants to do anything. She's ungrounded and she can meet Chandler now. Sydney's like, no, no, not yet, not yet. And, and Mila's like, why not? And Sydney says... Secret admirers are private. Yeah. <laughs> or something to that effect. Something's, I don't remember the exact word she used. Something idiotic. But Sydney does offer to set up another meeting between them, and she promises that soon Chandler will be all Mila's. Yep. Mila thanks Sydney, who rolls her eyes and hangs up. Mila hugs her pillow, plops down on her couch, and beams. She does. Oh, oh, and before she hangs up, Mila specifically requests more poetry. That is very important to the plot. She wants more of them poems. Yeah. She can't get enough of this great teenage love poetry. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I literally thought that this was what girls wanted at this time in my life. (laughs) And it turns out this is not accurate. (laughs) I I mean, some women do enjoy poetry. No question. But the idea that <laughs> that something that you do makes a person of the opposite gender go gaga is insane. Like truly insane. It is a little it's a little bonkers. I I did I had a boyfriend in high school who was in a band and he wrote songs, you know, obviously. And right. I always hoped he would write a song for me. I was well, like, yeah. "Oh man, I just wish you'd write a song for me." Um he finally did, and it was a song about how he would never love me. And that was how our relationship ended. Oh, no. Yeah. If you're out there listening, you're a piece of shit. And I still hate you to this day. (laughs) Um, By the way, who was 18 at the time, then went on to date a 14-year-old girl. That's illegal. You're a fucking pedo. (laughs) And I still hate you. Anyway. (laughs) You're the Billy Gunn of... Yeah, you're the Billy Gunn of Edmonds Woodway High School. (laughs) really was too like he he continued i'm gonna beep his name out so people don't know his name after this but he continued after we graduated would hang around at the high school and like try to pick up younger chicks no yeah dodge that bullet no Woo! yeah gross uh cut to commercial (laughs) that was pretty gross when we get back saja pulls up at the booth place on his mini bike and callie is there and saja tells her that barrack is steamed at her uh, they are both dressed super normal. Callie, not worried. She's going to give the rocks back to Barrick once she finds out what they are, but her dad isn't back yet and they can't analyze the rocks till he's home. Right. So she's just got to hang on to these rocks for a little while longer. Hang on to them. Hold on to the rocks. <laughs> Hold on to the element. Thank you. That was off the cuff. I loved it. I'm a genius. I loved it. It's right up there with, I do not like that man, Barack. <laughs> Callie comes up with a plan. Uh, when she sees Barrick, she won't have them. What? <laughs> right, right. Because Sasha's like, what, are we just going to lie like Barrick lied to us? Callie's like, no, I'm not going to lie. I'm literally not going to have the rocks in my possession. Yeah. That's <laughs> stupid. It is. It's a little contrived. There is, so, there is so much in this episode that is just so pedantic. <laughs> I just... Anyway. Well, we cut to no man's land, where Sydney and Garrett are talking to each other through the hole in the wall. Sweet hole. <laughs> I mean, what? 
Sweet Hole. Sweet Hole. That's the name of the episode. Sweet Hole. Sweet Wall. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know geez. we can't resist a Midsummer Night's Dream reference every Not time we see this fucking set. Every time. Uh, he is frustrated about needing to write more poetry. And Sydney agrees to get him some more poems, but then what? Oh then what's going to happen? What? what after that? How long is Garrett going to drag this out? Garrett's ready to just expose the truth and just come right out and admit to Mila that he was Chandler all along, which honestly seems like the right move. Right. That's <laughs> the least complicated situation here. So Sydney talks him out of just like spilling the beans. And he's like, maybe not yet, but soon. Get me some more poems. <laughs> and he stalks off. I love the way he says that. Get me poems. Just get me some more poems. <laughs> we cut to outside swans. Sydney's wandering around the parking lot trying to think up some poetry, and it's not going well. Yep, she paces back and forth in front of the bench, and Katie goes skipping by, chanting something about JT and glory. Sydney gets an idea, big smile on her face. And goes after her. <laughs> and then we cut to JT's room, where Callie has just barged in without knocking. Yep. With a bag full of hot rocks. Yeah. where she, He's like, where's the fire? And she gives him the rocks and asks for his analysis. <laughs> and says that it's important. So he says he's going to do it later today. He puts them in the top drawer of his dresser and heads out. There's a bowling pin on top of his dresser. I would just like that noted for the record. <laughs> I mean, why not? We crossfade from the bowling pin to some other thing in JT's room, indicating that some time has passed. Katie and Sydney enter. Apparently, Sydney has suckered Katie into thinking she's going to take her to a dressage event, which, for those who don't know, is a fancy horse riding thing. Yeah. Sydney asks her to get a drink to get her out of the room, and Katie goes to put some, quote, bug juice in sippy cups for them. <laughs> Exciting. Whatever that is. And as soon as Katie leaves, Sydney gets to work snooping through JT's room looking for more poetry to plagiarize. I love the military-style drum roll that's going <laughs> in the background as this. It's so good. It's pretty great. When we come back from commercial, it's talking sweet as honey, my jam, hell yes. Sandy and Owen are rocking out with some god-awful early 90s video toaster visual effects. It is a lot of moving images against a purple background with periodic cuts to overexposed black and white film. <laughs> Owen so is literally air drumming next to her yeah, as yeah. she's singing. He has drumsticks. There's a drum set behind him. But he's not playing the drums. He is absolutely not playing the drums. That's so good. Uh, unfortunately, he's also not trying to swim. No, he's not. <laughs> at some point says the tape speed is a little slow and Sandy says if he keeps being this picky about everything they're never going to finish their demo tape. And he also mentions that the lyrics seem off <laughs> and at this moment we hear did someone say lyrics? <laughs> and in walks Mila. Yes, although before we talk about Mila I have to touch on what Sandy's wearing because it is astonishing. You may absolutely do that. It is a chambray shirt minus the sleeves so this might actually be the sleeveless chambray we previously saw on Jimmy 
Except someone has bedazzled the ever-living shit out of the collar and placket. Like, there are multicolored plastic gemstones stuck all over the lapels on the front of this pale blue denimous, denim-ish vest thingy. It's De- incredible. It's denimous. Denimous. <laughs> it's also a good title. Oh, and by the way, wearing another lizard t-shirt, all hail our lizard king. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Mila comes in. Sandy's not thrilled to see her. <laughs> yeah. She's got a poem and the words would go, are so wonderful it could be a song. And, and Sandy, completely deadpan, goes, could it now? <laughs> I, love, I love Sandy from like this point on. She's just done with everyone's shit. It's yeah. so good. Um, and uh, Owen says, yeah, this is great. He's going to set it to music, but only if Mila will sing it and they can do it at the mayoral concert. This upsets Sandy, and she's like, what about Vision in Polka Dot Pink? Is she going to sing that, too? Right. Uh, it, Mila offers to let Sandy sing Vision in Polka Dot Pink. Sandy is not into this. Definitely not. Yeah. And um, she saves herself just before she blurts out that Vision in Polka Dot Pink sucks, and it does. <laughs> it sucks. And uh, Owen says that Mila could sing that song and Sandy could sing back up. And then he and Mila walk out and leaving the camera focused on an open mouth, completely gobsmacked Sandy. It's my favorite Sandy stare of all time. It gives any Sydney stare a run for the money. Absolutely. We're back in JT's room. Sydney has procured another poem and she's frantically copying it down. Uh, Katie comes back in with sippy cups of juice and what look like two small plates of sandwiches or pancakes. It is cute. It is pretty cute. It is very cute, like watching little Katie be hostess. Yeah, it's adorable. They talk for a little bit about Glory and how much she likes JT's love poetry. Katie wants to know why anyone would want a poem from a boy because boys are always trouble. (laughs) Yeah. She wants to hear the poem, but Sydney says it's private. And Glory and Katie says... Glory says hers are private. She says they give her chills. <laughs> Yuck. There's this really great moment, too, where um, where Sydney makes some remark that, like, yeah, boys are trouble and they're gross. And, and Katie asks her some question and, like, the answer Sydney, go- Sydney gives, the camera zooms in on her real fast as she gives it. And then, like... There's another line from Katie, and then another fast zoom in on yep. Sydney with like pensive piano music. I just love these extreme dramatic zooms on Sydney's lines. One of the lines is, "You gotta watch out for the ones who always smile at you." <laughs> Speaking of smiles, we cut to the tool and die. Barrick looks up and smiles as Kelly comes in. Whoa. He tries to chat her up. She totally ignores him. And mentions that he's missing his rocks, to which she says, I don't have your rocks. Which is true now. She doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they stock to opposite sides of the shop. Uh, Barrick apparently needs an oil pan on the top shelf, but both he and Jimmy's hands are all greased up, which is a weird excuse not to do something. Uh, Callie says she'll get it. Jimmy offers to trade out with her, but Barrick is like, no, get back to work. So Callie goes and gets this ladder, climbs up while the psycho music plays, but as she gets to the highest rung, it snaps under her foot! She falls with a scream. Freeze fa- frame. Roll credits. Oh my god, it's so dramatic. Oh. The the rung of the ladder is so obviously sawn halfway through. I love it. It is so good. Yeah, you're not missing that for sure. Oh my gosh. Wow. Who is our psychopath of the week? 
I gotta go with Barrick. Yeah, this I week. mean, it sure seems like maybe he rigged that ladder to murder Callie. Yep, yep. <laughs> did you get us a swan count? I did. We have two new fake swans, uh, which brings our running count to four imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 124 other swans. Woo, there we go. So many swans. What are your predictions okay. for next season? We keep the hospital set because now Callie is in there. I don't know. I don't know what Barrick is hoping to achieve by injuring Callie. Like, punishment? What is he going to get out of this? I don't understand. Sandy pesters Owen about Mila singing in the concert. Sydney delivers the other poem to Mila and starts making arrangements for her to meet Chandler. Barrick tries to get the rocks back somehow. Hold on one second, got to type all this. I normally, I normally think of these on the spot, but I did write down ideas this time, so that's why I'm going. <clears> it's all good. Okay, so I got Beric tries to get the rocks back somehow. And then JT figures out that the rocks are the ones from the blast site, and maybe that's what they need to keep working on UB2B. Well, it is sure to be a highly dramatic scene going out on that incredible cliffhanger, and uh, we will see it next, next time, which uh, I'll announce the date here. October 1st. <laughs> I, I want you to put it in in like robotic voice. Okay. I will. <laughs> Stupid. I'll get that robot voice they use on TikTok. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime from the hit show Swans Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Instagram at Swans Cross Pod and on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod. And until we can see one another again, may all of your ladders be safe to travel upon. <laughs> yes. Tell her I'd appreciate her asking before she borrows my personal property, okay? What do you mean? Just give her the message. She'll know what I'm talking about.